Welcome back. This is the second part of a two-part series about Mexico border crossings. In our first episode, Mexico Border Crossings Part 1, we talked about the southbound crossings into Mexico and explained Inco terms. This episode is going to detail northbound crossings into the U.S., explain government regulation, and give a glimpse into the future of border crossing technology. We hope you enjoy the show. That kind of covers the going into Mexico. Um, coming out of Mexico is is the process basically the same, or will be the same, or is it? There's more uh, data entry, or uh, more steps you have to take. The um, the process for getting goods out of Mexico into the U.S. it's um, it's a bit more straightforward than the import process getting goods into Mexico. Um, why? Because that aforementioned physical revision or inspection um, of the goods as they arrive into the border city going into Mexico doesn't necessarily take place. So it's basically um, the receipt of documentation from that shipper within Mexico. Um, The traditional uh, way of communicating is by email, email with an attachment of commercial invoice, uh, the the certificate of origin for NAFTA, the eligible packing list, letter of instructions, those are the common documents uh, received. Uh, now the new requirement for, uh, Fernando mentioned specific regimes, the, uh, the definitive or the for consumption, if it's a, if it's a transaction that's for, for sale in, in, in the U.S. or from Mexico selling it uh, outright, it's not a return for a temporary process requires the, now the XML version of fiscal uh, requirement within Mexico for the new deals. So, so, so there's more electronic uh, data exchange that, that's now involved. So there is a validation that has to happen for that XML version of that commercial invoice that happens prior to acceptance and preparation of that export pedimento, COBE, uh, in Mexico. Um, so it's becoming increasingly important uh, for the sharing of data elements um, within that, that import transaction. That is, that COBE, that DOLA uh, that we mentioned earlier, associating both the entry number and the COBE information it has to be perfect. It has to match. Those transactions need to match. And more and more, that's what, uh, that's what both the governments of U.S. and Mexico are expecting. The sharing of data, the communication, making sure tariff classifications match across both, both countries, uh, to eliminate uh, risk in this case, and also to protect sensitive, sensitive industries like the steel industry, like the textile industry, they're, they're increasingly important. Uh, now with the onset of China and it being such a huge player in both imports and exports uh, within the U.S., that's become um, even more important now uh, that we identify correct countries of origin on our paperwork and that the supplier is actually declaring um the correct country of origin because it's very it's very easy to transship goods from China into Mexico and then back into the U.S. That could be done to to avoid or abate uh, any potential duty into the U.S. So um, both U.S. customs and Mexican customs are very uh, uh, vigilant in terms of what's being declared on those import entries 
and the export pedimentos to make sure that the country of origin, that in fact, that in fact it wasn't a transshipment, that there was further processing in Mexico uh, for those goods. Uh, we're also getting, in the case of the imports, um, there is now the, the new, um, the MCA um, agreement, the, the Mexico-Canada-America agreement that's going to happen, is going to be implemented in 2020. So we're still waiting on those rules of origin to be published this year in 2019. So we as customs brokers start educating ourselves on the new rules, rules of origin certification process to now prepare in lieu of NAFTA, start applying MCA privileges and preferential duty treatment for those goods. As you know, the new program uh, is going to require more content for, for the partner countries, Mexico, Canada, and the U.S. Um, it used to be uh, 60% content uh, for regional value content. Uh, it's now it's now it's going to be increased to about 80%. The automotive sector has been reinvented now that there's a lot of protectionism within the region countries, Canada, U.S., and Mexico. We want to make sure that those goods come from the region. Um, and with the New Deal, um, heavily favoring U.S. content in that case. So, so we're, we're excited about uh, what's going what's gonna to happen this year. We're, we're anxious um, about the changes for 2020 in terms of applying these MCA uh, privileges for, for duty treatment. So, so we'll, we'll wait and see. But uh, it should be, should be favorable for, for, for the U.S. consumer. So um, I don't know, Jeff. You also touched the point about processing times. I think that we skipped that part. Yes. Okay. Um, just going back, and and I will use both both examples, southbound and northbound. Regularly, if we have uh, every single document in advance, and if we uh, had those meetings in advance, like I was mentioning, that it would be it will be quite important for all the expert community to to listen to this advice before even attempting to go into Mexico, uh, get to your logistics company, get in touch with them, and uh, prior to the launch of your import project, uh, make, make sure that you have uh, the proper advice pertaining to the documents that are needed and their requirements. So uh, if you do your homework in advance, uh, and if you are, are able to even connect electronically with the broker, there will be no more data entry, and of course, uh, the integrity of the data will be there. Will, will be kept, which is quite crucial, like Jorge was saying. So uh, if that's the case, uh, your shipment uh, coming from the U.S. into Mexico, um, if it's a regular uh, shipment, not an inbound, uh, you can, you know, you can have ready. Some of the times we have, uh, you know, we have had the shipments uh, being processed within a couple of hours. Uh, I mean, there is no need, uh, you know, to, to do intensive uh, based on the, on the uh, uh, trust that you have on, on this uh, on these suppliers being uh, being able to to give you you know good data, and they and that they are supplying the products that they mentioned uh, in that particular uh, commercial invoices. So uh, it, you can go from two hours all the way to twenty four to to forty eight or even to seventy two hours depending on the on the data, uh, and depending uh, on the uh, in in this case if you're complying with every single other governmental agencies' requirements. So uh, before even sending your products to the border, make sure that you are in compliance with all the, those requirements, and then you can, you know, reap those benefits of, of, of only having like maybe two to four to six hours of clearance instead of the 48 to 72 or even worse. 
uh, coming back from Mexico, um, you know, uh, customs uh, and uh, we have times, I mean, processing times for us, if we have electronic data being submitted to us, we can have uh, pedimentos done within a couple of minutes, uh, entries done within minutes after the, the shipment has been released. So uh, documents, uh, if we do our homework and if we uh, set it up electronically and we try to get away from those emails, I mean, let's let's get real. I mean, there's a lot of hackers outside and uh, you don't want your, your vital data like uh, commercial invoices being shared by, by a chain of... Uh, different people who doesn't have anything to do with your with your commercial invoice so we stress the importance of of getting in you know in touch with your brokers and making sure that the data is not shared via email but rather having ip addresses having have you know having some type of connections if you have sap systems whatever system you have try to connect directly uh, with your brokers, try not to share or use public networks uh, to share that information because that could be hacked and, and you can be in lots of trouble if you're, you know, uh, somebody from from other companies might as well see see those uh, prices that you are sharing with this uh, with these other companies. So um, basically, um, do your homework. Uh, try to have everything ready. If uh, you know, send documents in advance. Uh, you know, a trailer will take up to 36, maybe 48 hours, depending if it's a double team driver uh, coming from uh, from Detroit uh, all the way to Laredo. So why waste that, that time? I mean, and why wait until the, tra- the, the trailer arrives to Laredo to receive documents and then for the custom broker to start working on the, on the, uh, on the particular uh, uh, import pedimento? So uh, help us in that way, and um, this will make things easier. For the rest of the community, um, like I said, go uh, to do Google on the Rule 3.1.7. That will let you know exactly what requirements are, what data elements are, which are very simple, guys. I mean, it's it's nothing difficult. Uh, unit of measurement, like I was saying, uh, product description, uh, um, unit value, etc. There, there are very basic elements. But make sure that if if you're declaring a particular tax ID that you are making sure that that tax ID really exists and the fiscal address is a real fiscal address. It's not a PO box or it's nothing that that uh, will not comply with the Mexican requirements or the U.S. in this case. But also sharing of a customer database. If you have your goods as, as a customer, if you have everything to the part number level, it's great to share that in advance with the customs broker. Uh, not only share it, to, but start working on classifying uh, those goods. It could be that you already have a U.S. tariff classification, but it's still missing the Mexican customs uh, classification, which is going to be similar, but not, not entirely the same. Um, that that be done in advance, um, that, that you have a good, reliable database that will help facilitate the, the process, both import and, and, and export. That way, uh, the only thing that happens is once that trailer arrives and those goods are checked, they make sure that that part number is what it is, um, and it's it's a more cursory inspection versus a detailed inspection in terms of okay, what is it, and how am I supposed to classify this? That would help um, go uh, a long way. So any sort of advanced shipment notification that you can provide, whether electronic, uh, communication, database, uh, that's important. That'll help facilitate these processing times. And, and remove this mystique of it being a, a black hole at the border. 
we want these goods to flow across the border. I mean, we know that there's a lot of concrete here in Laredo, but but we do uh, want these shipments to move um, and to alleviate the, the, the congestion. And, and processing times and wait times is the sharing of data in advance, part, customer part number database, um, and, and um, advanced communication of commercial invoices, of certificates of origin, so that we don't have to wait, open up a trader, what is it? Okay, let me go request these documents. Uh, let me, I need now a certificate of origin, have all those documents readily available and sent to you know, the customer's broker, the customer's broker in advance to reduce that wait time uh, on the border. Coming into the U.S., it, it's, it's not unlike um, the, 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 the southbound uh, import processing to Mexico um, in that it's, it's the communication, like I said, it's typically an email uh, from the supplier in Mexico that sends these documents. Everything is vetted, make sure everything's correct. And ideally, while that truck is transiting uh, the commerce of Mexico, um, the country of Mexico, um, those, those documents need to be ready are in theory supposed to be ready by the time that trader arrives to the border. It's not a lot of times it's, hey, I'm here giving my documents to, to be able to cross, sending my dollar, and that's what it turns into. But with a good line of communication, with advanced information being sent, with documents sent with enough time, it's not uh, inconceivable that, the that, that that trailer can arrive on the Mexican side of the border and it'd be ready to cross. Uh, because typically with that transit time uh, should be used for processing time. Okay. Uh, maybe if we make a summary, uh, I might as well say that um, also, um, it, well, like I was saying before, even attempting to, to uh, send a trailer across, we need to inform uh, CBP, we need to inform uh, through the U.S. Census Bureau, we need to tell them uh, what's, what's living in the country. So, uh, you know, oftentimes, uh, Jeff mentioned about the incoterms. Uh, what what we're seeing is that uh, that the uh, most of clients are or most of uh, buyers in Mexico are, are taking title of goods at at your dock, and then uh, the question arises: uh, you know who should be the U.S. principal party of interest? Because in that declaration that I'm talking about to the AES uh, system, we need to you know declare who is uh, actually the the U.S. principal party of interest, and. Uh, what what we've seen in the past is that uh, that the uh, clientele, uh, the the owners of the product in the states, will say, "Well, it's not me because I I sold my products at my dock, and I don't know when the this uh, company that bought the products are going to export those those products into Mexico." Well, uh, that's that's a good uh, point, but nevertheless, I mean, somebody must appear in that declaration. And uh, so before even uh, attempting to launch your, your import project into Mexico, make sure that you get an agreement with your, with your buyer in Mexico and uh, be very clear on the rules um, for who is going to be the USPPI, of, if it's going to be a routed export transaction, uh, who is going to be the FPPI, who is going to give the power of attorneys to submit that data. So uh, that's something... Uh, you know, that's uh, maybe some of the times uh, points that are not touched when you're dealing with a Mexican buyer of your products. But make sure that, that, that you include that in your conversations. Uh, make sure that you make uh, a complete um, acknowledgement uh, of your responsibilities uh, of supplying or exporting those products into Mexico. Uh, nowadays, this is critical. Some products are, you know, can be used for different purposes. 
So let's say that uh, your product is, um, you know, a certain uh, uh, container, has a certain container or can be used for weapons uh, in some other country. So that, that product will be subjected uh, to the U.S. Commerce Department uh, permit, uh, stating that uh, you have to go to the U.S. Commerce Department and get a permit to export this, this product out of the U.S. And they, they have to know who, you know, who is buying the product and, and what is the purpose for that. So I don't want you know, to get this very complicated, but it's crucial because if by any chance your product can be used for some other reason or for some other purpose, and you don't know that and, and you don't investigate that, and the product is, be, is being exported, uh, a lot of people can get into a lot of trouble. Right, and, and the point is really that, um, <clears throat> that even though you might be selling product, if you're in the US selling product into Mexico, you might say, well, that customer in Mexico arranged for the transportation, that he's paying for the freight to get it all the way down into Mexico. So really, as soon as he picks it up from my dock, I'm done with my responsibility. Well, that's, that's not true. The US PPI will be the US PPI, and that's, that's the seller in the US. And so just keep in mind that somebody's filing or somebody needs to file that AES, EEI transaction that, that I talked about, that I the aforementioned. Um, information and with that ITN number that needs to be integrated uh, in that DOA uh, that, that, that's, that, that's supposed to be reported and match that information on the, on the import perimento. So, so it's very important uh, to realize, as Fernando said, um, figure out who's going to be filing the AES EEI transaction, whether it's going to be the, the US PPI, the, the seller in the US, or will it be the importer? issuing a power of attorney to the forwarding agent that files that transaction, but that he's still going to file it based on the tax ID of the seller in the U.S. Regardless, um, it's still the seller's responsibility. They are the exporter. Regardless if he says, well, I didn't export. It was picked up here. It's still uh, destined to, to Mexico. And a good point that, that Fernando made is this uh, dual use. Uh, there's many cases um uh, that we've been uh, familiarized ourselves by attorneys in which, uh, for example, I'll give you a large, uh, large diameter tubing, steel, steel tubing that could be used for missiles or, or weapons in, in other countries. Well, you say, well, that's probably for the maybe the oil industry, oil and gas industry in Mexico. But but uh, however, that commodity can be used for weapons of weapons of mass destruction. Uh, and that's a reality. So that's what. That's what we need to be vigilant as as to who we're actually selling the commodities to, first of all, and realize that uh, some of some of your goods that you could innocently be sold as, you know, like uh, equipment for oil and gas industry in, in Mexico could be used for weapons of mass destruction. And so that's something that you just need to be aware of. There needs to be more awareness of that, of who we're selling to in Mexico. Okay, so going back to the summary, that's 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 the first thing, making sure that you are in totally understand of what the Jorge just mentioned and, and acknowledge that. Secondly, we talk about the data integrity, quite important. Uh, go to rule 3.1.7 and, and make sure that you comply with every single data element that's required for Mexican governments. Uh, the third thing that Jorge mentioned also is uh, sharing of data, uh, you know, creating a database. So the best scenario will be for us to come with, uh, with proper HTSs uh, uh, before even attempting to go to the border. So making the homework prior to launching your input project is, is quite crucial. Spend some time with the, with, the, with the broker, 
spend some time uh, classifying the products and, and creating that database and creating the rules for that database, uh, business rules. So you can uh, be sure that every everything, uh, if, if there is any change, you, uh, you will be advised and that HTS will be changed. If you change also the, the country of origin, I mean, there are rules for that as well. So uh, the, the third thing will be uh, if you qualify for, for some uh, preferential duty agreements like, like the NAFTA, which is uh, uh, still in, uh, in effect, and the MCA, which with Jorge talked about. Yes, okay, yes. make sure to supply to us those documents in advance so we can make sure that, uh, that, that we apply those benefits uh, to you uh, or, or to the company who's buying the products. Uh, and uh, and just to let you know that then in the future, uh, and we're talking about maybe the next three to four months, major change in Mexican customs, major major change, uh, which I haven't seen in 25 years uh, being at the border. So uh, this new uh, PETA program that we talked about, uh, be aware that uh, that it, that is going to be launched. Um, that is going to be, uh, you know, not a major. Uh, a step back, but uh, but then the launch of the product uh, or the of the program is going to take the necessity of having a, a physical count of the drivers uh, and making sure that the driver is going to take that that load across. So that's going to be a little uh, obstacle for 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 the companies because as we all know, you know, drivers are are going back and forth uh, through the border, mm-hmm. and you can always uh, you know you. The only thing you can do is guess who is who is going to be next. So so you can have that name uh, being being given uh, to the custom broker, so he can use that name for the particular declaration, uh, and that name will be the the final key, Juan yeah. Carlos, the final key to open the gate at the border. Exactly. Right. So it has to be locked in. Uh, it's very common that well, that driver may be stuck either crossing northbound or southbound. You had assigned them to your load already. But you know what? I need to change drivers. Well, guess what? That needs to be communicated now to the Mexican customs broker. Say, mm-hmm. the, originally I had this guy. Now it's going to be this guy. Make sure that you make the change so that when he shows up with his badge at the booth and he scans that badge, it's really, it's the the pedimento de cobre cobre information, relación de documentos, and entry number and or ITN number are all linked to that driver's badge, and so that's going to be critical. So the carrier is going to play an even more important role in that process and the mechanism of communicating. Don't take it for granted that you sent an email and that they, they acknowledged, uh, but you need to get uh, some, some degree of certainty that that was acknowledged and that change did in fact take place because now it's all going to be electronic. It's all going to be barcode readers um, and and it's going to be even more important that you get, um, that we be precise on these transactions. With all these new electric changes and stuff mm-hmm. like that, how important is it to uh, become a member of security programs like CTPAT and, and AEO and uh, PIP and so on and so forth? Okay, that's 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 quite important. Uh, in Mexico, uh, the AEO program was introduced like two years ago. And uh, I was telling uh, Jeff uh, that um, that program it goes well up and beyond any any uh, requirement that we have seen in the in, in the Mexican country and uh, I can only say that I applaud that that initiative and uh, it makes us for example as Mexican custom broker we have to be uh, our fiscal health is is 
has to be impeccable impeccable we cannot fail uh, we are being audited every single month uh, and that you know that will give the Mexican country the Mexican government uh, the knowledge that you are a serious company that you are meaning business that mm-hmm. that you are not subjected to participate in any in any scams that you are really really looking forward to do things the best way to do it without corruption without anything so uh, that certification uh, took us, for example, one year to get it. And we have been certified twice now. I mean, we received the first audit. It's, it's very complex. It's very critical because it goes up and beyond CTPAD. It's equivalent to CTPAD in the security standards, but it goes well up and beyond because it includes physical uh, health of the company as well. And so we have to have records of everything and make sure that if you are, if your Mexican custom broker is an authorized economic operator, then the reputation of that broker will be included in the in the selection process for intensives or not. So uh, if you don't have um, CTPAD coming from Mexico into the U.S., uh, if you don't have AEO going down into Mexico southbound, your selectivity for for being inspected goes uh, you know grows tremendously, grows exponentially, because that 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 means that that particular broker is not eager to participate in in in, uh, in something that, that 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 will take away any potential fraud from from the system you know so uh, yeah I mean we encourage our our friends of the community to if you are not CT bad that that's quite basic that's quite basic you you need to go to to uh, towards that direction and uh, you must ask that your Mexican customer broker is an AEO authorized you know um, Mexican agent in the Mexican country that will you know, let you know that you are working with a company which is uh, devoted to do things right. Right, and the same thing, uh, selection process. I mean, we're 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 customs brokers, both U.S. and Mexican customs broker. There's a whole lot of entities out there. Uh, we recommend that the customer base do its perform its due diligence and find out and ask these questions in advance of that service provider. It's not just well based on a recommendation or word of mouth or scale or size of a customs broker anymore. You need to ask those questions. Are you CTPAD certified? As a U.S. customs broker, we need to be um, certified under CTPAD. We need to be verified. We need to be vetted um, as as a provider. But but now the Mexican customs broker needs to be an automated, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, automatic uh, economic uh, AEO. uh, Authorized. Economic operator. Economic operator. So ask those questions of your service provider when you're making that selection. Are, are, do you have security standards? It's critical. It's absolutely critical. Look, it's not, it's not mandatory that this happen. However, once something goes wrong with a shipment, believe me, um, the fact that you're CTPAT certified, uh, that these partners that you selected in your supply chain, CTPAT and AEOs, um, authorized um, partners, that will go a long way in your case to defend your case, particularly if you had nothing to do with that, with that, um, that wrongful transaction. So uh, it helps out. It, it makes things easier for U.S. Customs and Mexican Customs. Uh, we highly recommend it. Uh, if, if, the, if the alerts now, security alerts are, are increased, it's only going to be those CTPAT partners that are allowed to bring in Bringing goods from from foreign countries. I mean, we've seen that with orange alerts and, mm-hmm. God forbid, a red alert. 
um, that, that whatever happened, but it's only going to be those, those partners that are CTPAT certified. They, along with the selection of customs brokers that are CTPAT and AEO authorized, they're, they're going to be allowed to cross. Everybody else will not be able to cross. So it, it's, it's ex- extremely c- crucial. Same thing for first-in-line privileges, going through x-rays at U.S. Customs. It's those CTPAT partners that show up first, and it's those CTPAT fast drivers that are given preference. I mean, we, we go to the compound all, all the time, and we see these trucks go to front-of-line. Well, those front-of-line um, companies are those CTPAT importers and exporters. They're, they're the fast uh, drivers that got first-in-line privileges for, for getting through the customs facilities so and, it's uh, extremely extremely important also uh, maybe uh, I, I must as well add that um, the community here goes with the ISO 9001 2008 standards uh, some companies I mean we moved to the ISO 9001 2015 which is more aligned to OEA and CTPAT requirements so that's a question that you might as well ask also is your company ISO certified as well mm-hmm. and what level of certification does your company has uh, in our case, we've also moved to the Six Sigma. We have like 14 yellow belts and we have like four green belts and a black belt in our company. And uh, the whole philosophy beyond Six Sigma is actually to reduce variability. And uh, that has to be the, the, uh, the name of the game for the next uh, coming years. Uh, I mean, you don't play around with the, with the integrity of the data. And you are, you know, your worst enemy is basically variability. You, you want to find out what are the sources of variability and try to reduce and eliminate those because those are the things that could cause. In an electronic environment, those will be the things that will uh, deter for your shipments to cross. And uh, we're moving fast towards that. Mexico is really moving fast towards having ele- everything electronic. So make sure that you also ask those questions, ISOs and uh, maybe mm-hmm. Six Sigma approach in, in, the, in the way they're making business. Right, so technology is crucial for selection of a customs broker how automated, how systematic is their process? Do they have a quality system in place like an ISO uh, 2015 um, program in place? Because that'll ensure that their processes are standardized and they report and they, they present those corrective actions and they eliminate uh, risk and variability as Fernando just mentioned. And security. So those three factors uh, that we mentioned, you know, uh, we talked about CTPAT and, o- and AEO, uh, OEA uh, certification. Those three things uh, should be at, on the checklist for every every potential relationship between an exporter and importer and a customs broker. We feel strongly about that process. We're 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 very proud to say that that we we count on both security technology and the quality system. Um, but that should be the criteria that's used in selection. It's no longer well. They're a huge company, huge customs broker. They're, they're, they've got 400,000 employees. Uh, that's no longer the case because uh, it has to be those that, that, that pay attention to these factors uh, that, that, that can count on, once again, technology, security, and quality. Because that's what you want, and that's the name of the game. That's, what, that's what's going to make sure that your shipments get across the border as expeditiously and compliant as, 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 as possible. So. Great. That's good information. Appreciate okay. it. So, um, well, thank you, Jorge. Thank you, Fernando. Absolutely. Juan, um, go ahead and wrap this up. So, I, I do appreciate you guys taking time out of your schedule to come in and talk to us.
So thank you very much. My pleasure, Ajay. My pleasure. Thank Anytime. you very much. Thank you for listening to the Wheels in Motion podcast. If you have any questions or requests for an upcoming episode, please email us at marketing at carter-express.com. Special thanks to Carter Express and Carter Logistics. Music for this podcast was composed by Phil Larson. Check him out at phillarson.net.